Hello, and welcome back to another FACT podcast. I'm Dr. Fred Clary, founder of Functional Analysis Chiropractic Technique. And in today's episode, we're going to have an interview with Dr. Mike Musselman. Dr. Mike is a chiropractor. He is a diplomate in chiropractic philosophy, which means he understands healthcare and alternative healthcare. And he's an accomplished local power lifter. He's also a great dad and an expert master trainer in Original Strength OS, which is a movement-based form of training people to be more neurologically efficient, just not for injuries, but for improving athletic performance. So we're very blessed to have Dr. Mike here today. All right. With us tonight, we have uh, Dr. Mike Musselman. He's a chiropractor near New Ulm, right? New Ulm, Minnesota? Correct. And uh, he's a chiropractic philosopher. He's an OS, or original strength practitioner. He's a power lifter, a father of a bazillion kids, a good man. And uh, today, we're going to try to learn a little bit about uh, Dr. Mike and also um, what he can do to help you with your health and wellness goals. So, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, Fred. Excited to be here. Oh, great, great. So why don't you tell the listening audience a little bit about yourself, how you got into chiropractic, fitness, wellness, lifting. Let's just start a little bit from the beginning and fill them in. All right. Uh, lifting. That actually started uh, junior high into high school for football, wrestling. I think that's how a lot of guys get into it. Um, and then uh, for me, like the love of strength and the pursuit of strength, I think kind of grew from there. And probably came from the you know the stronger you get the better i performed uh so is that that motivating cycle so that's kind of where the uh the health and fitness the the lifting part of it came from um i know the brother that i looked up to quite a bit and uh craig was a, a great natural athlete and he was actually really strong naturally i always wished i would have had his uh his natural abilities in the weight room because he was a guy that he didn't train that hard in high school and i mean he came in at 145 155 pounds and benched just shy of 300 by the time he's a senior, just dinking around. and well, That's not guys, fair. <laughs> I know. That's how I felt, too. I was like, man, I bust my butt. And, you know, so um, that was kind of one of those things, too, where, you know, you, uh, you have those people you find in your life and you, you chase them. And so I was always found myself trying to chase him and catch him when it came to, to strength and athletics. Uh, I can't say that I necessarily ever did all the way, but I think I finally beat him in squat a couple of years ago. So I'll, I'll take that as a, as a win for me. Um, well, I've seen you do an 800-pound squat, so your yeah, squat has come a long way. Yeah, it has. Um, that's a lot to do with uh, training with you guys, too. So, um, uh, chiropractic, uh, it's an interesting journey. I actually was introduced to chiropractic as an undergrad, and I was taking the uh, – one of our professors had got it set up so we, he could teach it as a class and as an elective to do the uh, CSCS, the Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. Can you talk about what that is? What is CSCS? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a certification through the, the National Strength and Conditioning Association, uh, more geared towards uh, strength and conditioning for athletes, for teams. Okay. Um, I, it was a pretty intensive test. I, I, uh, I enjoyed the class thoroughly. I, I, and I think, again, it just kind of tied back to my love of training. Um, it was a tough class, but it was, uh, it, was, it was worth it. And we had a local chiropractor, a guy named Clay Runyon. Um, I'll give him a shout out because he was a, a, became a mentor of mine, good friend. He, he knew my professor, and he actually 
the prof let him come in one day and he said, look, I'm looking for someone to come into my office and design, you know, home rehab programs to work with patients, teach them how to do stuff they can do at home. Uh, maybe teach you a little bit on how to do exams and help me with some of that stuff so you can learn to evaluate people. And I thought, Hey, that sounds like fun. Okay. So I did okay. it. You know, I started working for him. And one of the, the side benefits is as an employee, he took care of you chiropractically and Clay had the, uh, let's uh, see what's going on and then work on keeping you as healthy as we can kind of philosophy. Um, and I didn't think I had any, I mean, I'd had some issues, nicks and dinks in there. I didn't think it was anything big. Uh, but uh, there was one thing that, uh, uh, it was kind of funny. I always had issues where I'd get up four five, six times a night to go to the bathroom. Okay. I had to. And I, I just kind of assumed that was normal. And in conversation one day, I was talking with him and, and made a comment. I said, I, you know what, since I, you work for me, I really need to start taking care of you and I do it right. So, he, I mean, he was a, he was a Joe Swery disciple okay. and so films, the whole line analysis, all of that. And, uh, said, dude, I'm pretty sure there's something going on with your third lumbar. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> didn't know okay. at the time. You, know? you didn't know. He adjusted it once. Okay. Said, that was the first time I slept through the night. Wow. So it was pretty opening thing to me. I was like, you know, those are, you wake up the next day, you're like, man, I feel rested. Like, what's different? I realized I slept through the night. And uh, that was like the first time in forever that I could ever tell. And so I saw that obviously myself, which I thought was pretty awesome. And then I saw him helping other people. And it wasn't just like neck and back pain stuff. It was like a lady that had Crohn's disease or irritable bowel or something for years and years that uh, pretty soon she went from, she never would go more than 15, 20 minutes from her house to, oh yeah, I stopped taking my fiber supplement and I haven't had any issues. Wow. That's amazing. So you're, you're telling me you were with a chiropractor who didn't do the normal orthopedic necks, backs, weekend warrior tennis injuries. He was actually taking care of visceral conditions. Yeah, it, there was dysfunction in the body. He okay. traced it back to the spine where there's, you know, potential to be interference neurologically. Uh, he took care of them. It didn't matter if it, like I said, if it was neck or back pain or if it was, like I said, this, this lady had issues with her intestines. I had issues with my bladder that I would have never related to. You know, this is something you would see a, chiro a chiropractor about. And, you know, you see that stuff, and I, I was probably young and impressionable, and I thought, man, this would be really cool. He's helping these people without drugs or surgery, and I thought that was a really cool uh, intervention that, that didn't require, you know, uh, chemical intervention in the body or cutting something open. So that was what uh, really turned me on to uh, chiropractic, and so I made it my goal to, to go to chiropractic school, and that's what I did. I And fortunately, or – you know, sometimes he gave me a hard time and said, I don't know if you like Northwestern or not, because they're not going to teach you the same things that, uh, that you're seeing me do in my office, per se. But uh, I, the education was good enough to get me through, if you will. And uh, I was allowed to meet people like yourself along the way that, that played roles in mentoring me and kind of getting me on the track that I, I, I'm on currently and that I wanted to be on versus, I think, getting uh, sidetracked with just the neck and back and the, you know, the musculoskeletal only kind of, of mindset. Okay. So a lot of the people listening to this podcast, they, they see chiropractors as alternative practitioners, but usually neck, back, knee pain, kind of like a glorified physical therapist. You said you're on a different track now. What is that track? Um, to me, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, how do you describe it? Because you and I have been friends for quite a while. Um, 
and it's I mean it's the whole helping people, but it's it's restoring, you know, and the, the perspective that I I will take from you um, that has influenced me is it's a neuroefficiency standpoint. When okay. you look at patients, it's it's a lot different than it used to be. Where even with the the training I had coming right out of school. Um, I'm trying to figure out where are they inefficient at? Like what isn't going right? Like that would, that would create this, whether it's they're compensating for, is it a knee issue they're compensating for, or is there a knee result for their compensating for a shoulder issue? Um, I've become much more, if you will, whole person in my approach. Um, and I can honestly say when I first started, um, you know me, uh, yeah. pretty, uh, where to the spine and I would do like an extremity here and there, but there had to be an extremity complaint versus now where I start trying to figure out, based on how they're moving, what they're telling me, just some of the things that you start to see, the patterns you start to pick up, like where's this starting from? Okay, so you're, you're saying like a foot or an ankle, a leg or an arm problem can lead to a spinal problem or headaches or Crohn's disease? I mean, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the reality okay. is, so is anyone that's listening to the podcast uh, that I guess doesn't have advanced training, um, the body is not, it doesn't, things don't happen in a vacuum in the body. You know, it's a, an all in company system. So the reality is if you want to affect the nervous system, I mean, if I stick you in the toe with a needle, it's going to affect the tone of the whole nervous system. It isn't just your toe, even though when you register in your brain, ow, that hurt on my toe. Okay. Um, and you've been doing it longer than I have, but you start to find these things that, you know what, when they're, when you're limping, cause you had that ankle that you never took care of after you sprained it when you were a senior in high school, all of a sudden your sacroiliac joint on that side goes bad because it's not necessarily that the sacroiliac joint was weak. It's the fact that that was where the extra stress got thrown because you were constantly limping on that bad ankle. And it's, it's starting to figure out where's those other dysfunctions taking place uh, that are leading to it. Um, I think you and I probably, I listened to one of your podcasts recently and I think we probably have a similar approach in I'm going to fix that primary. I'm going to find it and try to fix it as quick as we can. But I'm, if I need to take care of some of the, the secondary stuff along the way, we're going to fix that too. It's, the concept of, oh, you can only, only need to take care of the ankle and the SI joints can be better, maybe. But my whole thought is, why don't I just fix them both and get it taken care of so that you're doing better as quick as we possibly can. Okay. Okay. Wow. Well, that, that would change someone's approach to wellness because if they were having a stomach issue, it may not be the stomach. If they had a heart issue, it may not be the heart. How do you see chiropractic fitting into um, someone's health care plan their wellness plan or are we outside the normal healthcare system we have today um i know I it's a loaded question it is because <laughs> i think if you look at us from a, a philosophical standpoint and and i i have i have a wee bit of training in the in the philosophy of chiropractic um if you're going to stick strictly to how we should look at the world i think or our worldview we probably would fall outside of the the mainstream system okay so, our, our, our view of the, the human organism where, you know, as, as we look at it, really is we have everything we need inside of us. It's a matter of having that express how it should. Um, that, that neural efficiency as you or I would talk about, but there is that expression of that something that's within us that needs to be taken care of. Um, versus, hey, it's all about, let's just focus on if I take care of this symptom, I can make the symptom better and then they're better. Um, you and I have both seen that. Yeah, you can you can play with the symptom all you want, but if you're not getting to that underlying cause, that symptom's gonna you're either gonna suppress it, um, or you're and not really fix it, and so that underlying problem continues to to run and run and run. Or every time you put the bandaid on, they go do something that's like they just tore the bandaid off. And so 
uh, I think if you look at chiropractic and really how it should fit is it, it is it, it does encompass the whole the whole individual and I think from a, a neurological and a biomechanical standpoint we cover everything from you know really occiput down to the big toe um, and probably a little bit higher than occiput if you look at how some of the things attach you on the, the sphenoid and whatnot um, that being said, I, where do I think it fits? I, I think everyone should be getting checked on a regular basis. Now, I, if you notice I said checked by a chiropractor on a regular basis, sometimes you need an adjustment, sometimes you don't. And sometimes it might not be what you think you needed adjusted. And that's okay, I too. I'm, I, I know you and I have been doing this long enough. You, you have someone come in and they're, they're sure it's a shoulder issue or, oh, it's in, my, it's in my lower back. And you check them and check them and check them and there's nothing going on in their lower back. And you find something in their neck and you fix their neck and their lower back feels better. Or you have it go the other way where, Oh, I get these crazy headaches. It's got to be my neck, blah, blah, blah. And you check and check and check. And you're like, it's not. And you, you clean up a low back or a pelvis and all of a sudden their headaches go away. And they think it's this magical miracle thing. And you're like, no, it's just kind of neurology. It's how your body works. Uh, that, that symptom isn't always the problem. And I think how we fit in or where we should fit in is what can we do to, to maximize efficiency in the body? Um, if you want to look at it from a, a deep philosophical standpoint, um, how can we maximize the expression of the innate intelligence of the body? Uh, you know, that, that, that's where our role really fits. It isn't about chasing symptoms. Don't get me wrong. If you're having symptoms, you really should be seen. Um, and I'm a fan of starting out with the least invasive uh, interventions and working to more invasive uh, along the, that spectrum. So I think starting with a chiropractor is a great place to start. Um, and then it's a great place to make, work on maintaining that health, that well-being, if you will. Oh, so you would come in without any symptoms is what you're saying. I, yeah, I, I think people should get checked on a regular basis without symptoms. Whether you have symptoms or not, uh, the reality is by the time the symptom shows up, most of us are usually, you're, the, the, house, that's, the house is already on fire. You know, um, you might want to call the carpenter before you call the fire department. That's kind of how I'd look at it if you want to use a simple analogy. It's a little easier to uh, take care of the wiring issue with the electrician than it is to call the fire department, put the fire up, and then rebuild the whole stinking house. Yeah, both of us, uh, we have a, a friend, James Burdett, good friend of ours who almost passed away a couple months ago from a severe heart attack. And a month before, he was competing in the, uh, the biggest powerlifting meet. It was on ESPN, biggest powerlifting meet that's ever been televised live. And he had no symptoms. How do I know? Because I was taking his uh, belt on and off. You can't be much more intimate than that. And he had no symptoms, at least that you could tell. And, you know, his heart went. So how, how would uh, a chiropractic fit into that? You know, in my practice, I'm always looking for someone and I, I want to prevent those things. And I don't know why you have that, that inefficiency. We use the word subluxation, an a, a area that I'm going to adjust or change. You have that area that is affecting you. And I will, I will work on it, you, whether you have symptoms or not, because I don't know what I prevent. As I like to tell my patients, my goal is to prevent everything and get credit for nothing. Because I don't want to take credit like the medical community does. Oh, you know, James had some great intervention at the hospital in the ER, and they saved his life. I don't want that credit. Hey, you came in, I worked on you, whatever. You know, who knows how many things I've prevented in my uh, 30 years of practice, but I don't want that credit. My goal is just to work alongside the body and express, you know, your best potential as a human being. I 100% agree. And, you know, you, you ask that question, how did, does someone know? You know, and I, 
I mean, I've had a couple of patients recently where they're like, well, I just, something doesn't feel quite right. That, okay, you're, something's in you telling you that, I, go see your MD, it's okay. I've been having some wheezing issues, go see your MD. Something's not not right, like, and, that, and that's good. And I think, I think one of the issues we have in healthcare is the ego thing becomes like, well, I can take care of everything. Yes. No, like, uh, you know, it only takes you a little while if you're, if you're willing to be humble to say, no, 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 I can't take care of everything. Um, something's not right, go see your MD. And if they find nothing, at least you have peace of mind that you know that it's nothing. I have a gal that had some issues with breathing that made me suspect, eh, let's just make sure there's nothing wrong with your heart. And I explained to her why heart issues could create breathing issues. Fortunately, she doesn't have a heart issue, but she was grateful. She's like, yeah, I'm glad that I checked it out. And I said, I, I am too. I'd rather you check it out and know than us be trying to figure it out and you tip over dead when you should have went and saw your MD a while back. So, uh, you know, I, I think one of our roles can be, just, I think it's just being a good human being. If you notice something's not right, I'll send you to see someone. Or if you get that little warning bell in the back of your head, I think our, once you become a little bit more attuned to your body, our bodies speak to us, if you will. I mean, I want to sound all new agey, but you get that feeling of something's not right. When you do, listen to it. Because 99% of the time, something probably isn't right. And it's, you, it's your little warning system telling you, go do something about it. <clears throat> okay. I guess a lot of my patients have had that, that innate warning system and they've gone to, and, and I don't want to, uh, this to be a bashing, bashing session on uh, the medical community, but they've gone to the medical doctors and they've missed something. Then they come to me, I work on them for a couple of weeks and they feel fantastic. And they want to get mad at the, the, at the medical doctors. And I'm like, don't get mad. It's like their, their lenses, their magnifying glass, what they use for analysis and diagnose is not the same as what we use sometimes. You know, what we use may be more subtle. You know, I look for how someone breathes and moves and even eye movements on how they move. So we may catch things years before a lab test or blood work will catch it. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I, I, I'm going to use that as a segue. So we talked a little about uh, my approach and things that we do in our office and, and yeah. things I'm into. You started talking about eye movement and uh, that always makes me happy because I, I enjoy that. And I don't claim to be an expert on everything tied to the eye and everything neurologically. It's something that I'm spending a lot more time studying, um, but it ties into original strength. You mentioned original strength as, as something that's kind of in my uh, repertoire, if you will. Um, I, I'm a, at this point, I'm a master instructor for uh, original strength and original strength. If you want to know what it is, it's a, it's a movement restoration system is the best way to put it. And the, the key word of that is restoration. And that was something that really intrigued me when I was introduced to original strength with, with uh, Tim Anderson, who's one of the co-founders and Jeff Newport's the other co-founder. Um, they talked a lot about restoration in the workshop that I was in. Like we're trying to just restore and get things back. And I, it, it, it fit well with, with my chiropractic philosophy. Cause that's really, I, I think that's what our goal is is we want to restore and maintain that. And I really maintain it by keeping it constantly restored the, the proper function, the proper efficiency of the body. And they were looking at it from a movement standpoint, um, tied everything to what's called the neural developmental sequence. So if you really look how, how we got where we are from being a baby. So first thing babies do is breathe. And breathe, as you watch a baby breathe, babies breathe properly unless they're sick. Um, they're big fat belly breasts. They crank those things out. That belly just pumps up and down as it should in a three-dimensional fashion. Um, that's the first step. Second thing the babies typically develop is head control. They get so they can hold their head up. Um, next thing babies tend to do when you put them on the floor and play with them like you're supposed to, they learn how to roll. 
then eventually they get up on all fours and they do this little fun thing in the middle of, you know, between crawling and, and, and uh, the actual movement, they do that little rocking phase um, where you watch a kid just kind of rock back and forth on all fours. Yeah. Yeah. And then they take that first little step and they, they make that first movement and it's, it's a really a cool thing. And then obviously we go from there to we're upright. We walk, we sprint, we run, we move that way. We climb, we, and so original strength was developed. Um, Tim really put it together. Tim and, and obviously I had help with, with Jeff from Jeff and stuff, but uh, Tim, it was an inspired system because he's looking for a way to fix himself because he was tired of feeling broken. And uh, first workshop I went through, I mean, I had some issues. I just started uh, competing in powerlifting again. And it had been 17, 18 years between meets um that's a long layoff you you should have been rested up with all that time I was totally rested up but I started getting this weird like lateral thigh pain that I just couldn't get rid of um couldn't couldn't figure out what the heck was going on couldn't figure out I mean I got to the point where and I I joke with Tim about this is I'm like man I would I would foam roll between sets Fred (laughs) um just so I could tolerate the pain and it was weird because it was like and that was my first one back and I hit I think I hit a 500 pound squat or something that meet. And I was like super happy. Cause I was like, look, I haven't competed forever. It was fun, but 500 pound squat or you shouldn't have pain walking up your stupid stairs at home. And I did. Um, and I ended up trying to check things out and uh, this will actually lead to our, our uh, unification, reuniting, if you will. But I, I went to a, uh, an original strength workshop that they had in Minnesota here. And it was fun to listen to them because they're like, we know we're affecting the, the vestibular system, but they didn't really understand a lot of the pathways and the neurology. And I'm kind of a nerd and I'm the guy raising my hand and I'm like, I can explain why you're getting some of the effects from this, this, and this with my understanding of neurology. And they thought that was cool. So we got together and, you know, the rest is history. I started working with them a bit and then um, went through the certification process, started teaching for them as well. And so I, I, I teach the neurology for their, their original strengths pro, their workshop for uh, teaching um, and we did the pro workshop. We do anything from, you know, a guy that's a, a private trainer. Actually, the reality is we've had some people that they just took it because they wanted to just the general Joe off the street that went through the first workshop, the pressing reset workshop. And then they went through, wanted to just learn more and went to the pro. Like, I mean, a guy that was a former uh, secret service agent, super cool guy in his sixties. He's like, nah, I just wanted to learn more. He's not, he's like, I'm never going to teach anyone. I just wanted to know more. And to all the way up to, you know, we have other chiros, we've had medical doctors, we got physical therapists, I mean, uh, NFL level strength coaches uh, that have been through the program. And so the whole concept is to use those, those patterns that we developed our proper movement with to restore movement, to help eliminate some of those compensations that we'll develop, um, whether it's from, <clears throat> you know, you injure something and you limp for so long that your body does a really good job of becoming efficient at limping. And it's amazing how you can see things change. I mean, I seriously, by the end of the first day of the workshop, the first workshop, um, I was probably 75, 80% better. By the end of the second day, I was probably 90% better for pain on my thighs. Oh, um, that's just amazing. That's amazing. So I've, I've, uh, I've done some of the, I've had you teach in some of my classes. And, you know, we're basically learning how to crawl, how to move as a child. I mean, if, if I was a patient or say I was an athlete, we have some uh, world champion athletes that listen to this podcast, what would, be, what would be one or two things you could tell them beyond, beyond original strength in OS? I mean, if you, we wrapped up your whole philosophy, what one or two things could you give these people that they can take from this podcast for movement or to make them better? Um, 
first thing, I, and this is going to seem super basic, breathing, learning how to breathe properly. Most of us, um, uh, and with proper breathing comes proper mouth and tongue placement. And I think that's probably the, the, the big takeaway. But we, most of us breathe proper, improperly. We, we've learned to become mouth breathers. And uh, we, we sound like we're all freaking having an asthma attack or something. Um, been there, done that. Uh, just not efficient. And we've talked about this. And I know you talked about, I'm pretty sure you talked about one of the podcasts that I listen to. People become hyper, you become hyperventilated. Yeah. You're getting too much, you're moving, you're moving air too fast to actually change the concentrations like you want to. That, that you're not doing yourself any favors. So learning how to be a good nasal breather. But coming with that is actually where your mouth should be placed. And that is... I just simple, simple thing. Anyone that's listening to this, you want to know how your tongue should be and your mouth should be, just swallow. As soon as you start to swallow, your tongue goes to the roof of your mouth behind your front teeth, right where it should be. Your bottom jaw comes closed. So you don't have to clench it hard, but they're just light. Your teeth are lightly touched together. Your lips are closed. Put yourself in that position and start to breathe through your nose. I think that would be a huge effect for a couple of reasons. Number one, most power lifters or top level athletes spend a crap ton of time in sympathetic dominant drive. The sympathetic yes. <laughs> the, the fight or flight part of their nervous system gets ramped up and they, they stop learning how to, to access the, or they don't access the, the parasympathetics that rest and digest part. Breathing actually allows you that when you learn how to properly breathe using the diaphragm and you get those good diaphragmatic breaths and you fill the lungs all the way from top to bottom like you should. I mean, the bottom part of the lungs is actually where the greatest innervation from the parasympathetic system lies. So you, you create greater greater input in the parasympathetic system by creating that greater stretch of the lung tissue, you're going to get greater output than, which means the vagus nerve through the parasympathetics, then the vagus nerve that really is regulating most of it is you are going to uh, downregulate the system. Uh, I, Mike, I, I tell a lot of patients that if you learn to breathe better, and these are like world-class athletes, if you learn to breathe better, you're going to digest food better. You're spending all this money on this, you want to be Mr. Olympia, you want to be a WPO world champion, but you're not breathing right, you're not holding your mouth right in position, your jaw, so you're too sympathetic, you're not going to digest your food. And of course, they look at me like I have a hole in my head, you know, they're looking for, I need a new can of special X protein, and I'm like, no, it, it's already inside you what to do. If every chicken breast you ate was totally assimilated properly, you know, you wouldn't need all these, you know, potions and lotions and powders. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, I, you nailed it right there because you will affect digestion. You will affect your ability to sleep better at night and get the proper rest that you need. Uh, you will recover better between workouts by learning how to breathe. So breathing will be number one. And I think actually number two, if we're going to do a number two, is, is contralateral patterns. Cross what is that? Patterns. That's a big word. What is that? So think crawling patterns or cross crawl patterns or your walking pattern. So it's your opposite arm and your opposite leg working together. Uh, it's how we're designed to, to, to ambulate, to walk, to move. Um, so you look at a baby and that's how they crawl. So it's the opposite arm and the opposite leg. They move forward together and backwards together. And it, obviously it's opposite sides of the body or an opposite motion. So your right arm's pushing forward into flexion. Your, your left arm's going to be an extension. Your right hip will be an extension. Your left, your left hip will be in flexion. Uh, so crawling and actually beyond just the pattern, obviously walking is a fantastic thing. I think most top level athletes, I mean, conditioning is a great thing. Um, go for a simple 10 minute walk every day. 
will do wonders for you and initiate the swinging, really swing your arms. Um, it's amazing. Did they exaggerate to swing? I would tell them yes, actually. Okay. I would tell them at least initially exaggerate your arm swing because most people, they're very rigid and walk without their upper body like they should. Um, and it's amazing. I have a, an older gal that's a newer patient and I, I watched and I said, you really, really need to focus on this. And she came in and she goes, I can only walk for six minutes where before I was walking for 20 minutes. But if I focus on my arms, I can only walk six minutes. And I kind of smiled at her and I said, yeah, that's exactly right. You're initially, you're going to be very inefficient. You're going to burn more energy because you're now swinging the upper body that you weren't doing before. That is huge. And then the second phase of that, especially with you start talking top level athletes, load that gait pattern. So start walking, moving better in that regards. And then put a load on it. Like I just got back a little bit ago from a, I just did a, just about a mile and a quarter ruck. So I have a 30 pound ruck plate in my, my backpack and I, hoofed it to the end of the dead end here by us and back. And I, my goal is to keep my time in 15 minute or less miles. And I average, I did a 14, 21 miles. So that's just walking. So um, loading that gate pattern, uh, it ties us together is a, is a phrase we use in original strength. So we always say, think of your body like an X. If you spread your arms and your legs, you're a giant X. So you want to have your right shoulder tied to your left leg, left hip, if you will, your left shoulder tied to your right one. And, Loading that gait pattern ties those together on the front and the backside. So if you want greater core stability, as there's a fancy buzzword that everyone likes to talk about, loading your gait pattern is a great way to increase your core stability, your, your trunk strength, your whatever you want to call it. I, I, it's funny because I think you're old like me. Well, you're a little old, I am, but remember when we called it the trunk? Yeah, we called it a trunk and torso. Remember torso? I do remember torso. And so, <laughs> we called it. We used to do sit-ups to for a stronger torso. Yeah. Well, now it's your core. And it's, now it's your core. Yeah. I, I wonder what the next buzzword will be, but uh, but it's a great way to strengthen it. Um, you start to load it, and that means as you load your gate pattern, it doesn't have to be a a hundred percent perfect gate pattern. Um, I'm talking about loaded carries is a way to load your gate pattern. So, you know, you pop a kettlebell above your head on one arm and walk down 10 yards, put it down, pick it up, put it above your head, walk back the other direction. Do that for 10 minutes. Super simple way to get into shape without killing yourself. And, uh, I mean, it's been one of the things I've spent the last couple of years doing um, as, as my movement is a big part of my movement stuff. Um, and that was all I was doing for my quote-unquote core training when I, I hit the 800-pound squat was carries. That, that was it. I did over-the-shoulder sandbag carries. I did bear hug sandbag carries. I did suitcase carries. I did farmer walk carries with sandbags and, and kettlebells. And I did no more than, and I know it's basically 10 yards because I know how wide the reception area in my office is. It's <laughs> three feet from one side to the other. So I'd walk from one wall to the other, put it down, turn around, walk back. And I'd set a timer and do three different kinds of carries every day and do 30 minutes of carries. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. So you don't need fancy equipment to do this. No, no, you don't. And, and, and the reality is, uh, if, if, if your listeners want to do something fun, uh, do uh, uh, a Google search or a, uh, what is it? Good grief. YouTube search, like Tim Anderson, mile Spider-Man crawl or something, and it'll come up. And Tim did a mile long crawl and he did what's called the Spider-Man crawl. That's so your knees are off the ground. So you're on your hands and your feet. Um, your butt stays low and your knees drive outside your shoulders with each step um, or outside your elbows. And so he did a mile straight. And he actually did it twice because he did it the first time. And then Jeff talked him into, uh, hey, that's cool. You should do it again and videotape it. <laughs> he and didn't so, have the camera on the first time. No, nope. And so he did a second time. He did it like, he did it less than an hour. I think he did less than 50 minutes. 
Oh, that's fantastic. Crazy. So I know of him and I know one other guy, we, uh, one of our other instructors, Chad's a, a former 82nd Airborne guy. And Chad, Chad did a while he wanted to, and he did some training. And Chad's a funny guy because of his military background. I think it was part of it. And his, his mindset is he decided to do it one day. Just He's like, look, I'm going to deploy and I got to get done. So he just freaking popped his little uh, thing on and did it. And he did it in less than an hour. And I was like, you know, you both are freaking Superman compared to me, but you want to see some, some strong strengths, some strong abdominals, some core strengths that trunk, both of them are incredibly strong for their size. You hop down and, and crawl like that for a little bit and see how fast your, your abdominals light up. You feel, you know, it's not just your abdominals. You feel your obliques, you feel your uh, quadratus lumborum, your QLs on the backside. It's, it's amazing the good Lord designed us in a way to move. And if we move that way, it's amazing how strong and how healthy you can get just doing those simple things. You don't have to. And I've, I've been saying this for over 30 years. You don't have to isolate your abs or your right bicep. If you're doing complex, normal movements against some resistance, it's amazing how I'll, I'll see people with a set of abs on them, a washboard, and they don't even do sit-ups. They do crawling and cross crawl and all this and they're stable because their their upper body is connected to their lower body and to do that it has to go through your torso your core you know yeah. so. I, mean, I, 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 I guess i it, it took a seminar when i was i mean it was a workshop or whatever you want to call it clinic when i was in high school randy Smythe was i'd probably he's probably considered the grandfather or father of speed training He's the guy that when the Dallas Cowboys were really good, he's the guy they brought in and he's the guy that, I mean, he's the guy that introduced like the, all the ladder footwork drills, like the, the rubber bands for towing the things and stuff like that. Amazing. And he, uh, here's how he described it. He said, and he tapped his shoulder and said, this is the engine for the human body. The more you swing and the faster these move, the faster you can go. This is the engine, the torso, the core, your whatever. And he actually called it your trunk is your transmission and your legs are your wheels. Wow. And he said, so if you're weak in the transmission, guess what? You're going to be slow. Yep. If you can't move your arms fast, you're going to be slow. So that's amazing. That's amazing. Like, yeah, that's just one of those things where it's amazing when you, you start to play stuff. You might not be 100% right on every single person because we know that some people have some different little variations in their motor patterns. It's still a contralateral pattern, but some people do some weird stuff where they, I think they initiate the movement with their legs versus their arms, but the arms drive it, continue that the driving portion, of it, but they, they might initiate with their legs uh, and that's okay. But look how fast their arms move. Look how solid they are in the core and look how fast those legs will move. That's, um, that's amazing, Mike. That's amazing. So I want to finish up here because, uh, I, and I don't do the uh, Dave Tate three hour long uh, podcasts. No, that's so, good. <laughs> Well, you and I probably could talk for a lot longer than that if you get us. Oh, we probably will. This this will not be our last one. We'll get more discipline first. So, with a minute left here, what would you want to tell the listeners about health and wellness? Besides, you know, tongue position, jaw position is important. Breathing, movement. What's the the number one thing you learned? in your many decade career here in health and wellness and fitness and strength. What do you think is the main thing you would tell a 14 year old who's, who's walking into the weight room for the first time? If I was to go back to 14 year old me, I would say find someone to teach you how to do it right. So a good coach. And I was fortunate. I had fantastic coaches. Um, and then it's kind of a two part thing. 
understand it's, it comes down to it's you. It's discipline. It's uh, I love Zig Ziglar, and Zig Ziglar has a little saying of life is tough, but it's a lot tougher if you're not tough on yourself. Oh my and, goodness! And so, if you if you really want to know what I think the the, the key to health and well being, it's it's discipline. It's making a choice and knowing that you're responsible for you. I'm not responsible for my patients. And in essence, I mean, I, I get that I am to a point, but they're responsible for their health and what they want to make for their healthcare choices. Anyone listen to this? If you decide I want to make a change, it's up to you to make that change. I think you need to find people that are smarter than you uh, in those areas and make that investment because it's worth it. So if you're trying to figure out, hey, how do I learn how to move properly? Do I have issues? You know what? You got to find someone that's a movement coach. I'm a big fan of original strength. They have a great thing. If you're looking for someone to kind of coach you through the whole thing, there's a lot of people out there that are good at it. And I think there's a lot of chiros that are good at it. I think there's some MDs that are good. I think there's some PTs that are really good at it too. It's finding someone that can help coach you through those things, but understanding that they're going to share their knowledge, but it's now up to you to apply it. So it's, you have to learn to be tough on yourself. I, th I think that's the, the biggest thing for health. You have to learn to be tough on yourself. Do I want to be healthy? Yes. I'm going to start to take the action steps. And that means learning, finding people to teach me and applying that stuff in my life. Well, thanks for uh, joining us tonight and staying up. Um, I appreciate it. And uh, I'll put the links to original strength on our uh, little narrative. All right. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me, Fred. I, I, uh, it's, it's kind of cool. Um, we've known each other a long time. You've been one of my mentors and good friends. Um, in the neurology world, the chiropractic world, and in the powerlifting world. So it's, it's kind of cool to have you on here to have me kind of uh, ramble and talk about the things that I find great in life. So. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. You bet. Have a good one.